if you would, to John chapter 11. John chapter 11. I was thinking about some different things this afternoon. And, but when pastor said a a few things this evening and various conversations, I believe this is what the Lord would have. John chapter 11, we'll read a few verses here, perhaps under verse 5. The Bible says, now a certain man was sick. Uh, named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. Uh, it was that Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore his sister sent unto Jesus, unto him saying, Lord, behold, whom thou lovest is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, this sickness is not unto death, but... For the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Now notice this next verse, a very key verse in this story. Now Jesus loved Mary, uh, sorry, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. We'll stop there. Lord, use this message to encourage our hearts about your love toward us. It's sometimes hard to see it. Sometimes we miss it completely, and yet we know it is still there. And Lord, sometimes we don't even understand what's going on around us, but we do know that, yes, Jesus loves me, for the Bible tells me so. The simple truth there is a truth, and we're going to see it in this story. So, Lord, I pray if there's one tonight that is struggling greatly, that you would use this challenge to encourage them in that simple truth. And Lord, if there is one here tonight that is not saved, has not trusted in, in Jesus to be their Savior, that they would, they would understand that because of your love, Jesus died on the cross and shed his blood and rose again the third day and we can be saved. We can know for sure that our sins have been forgiven. Is Jesus paid the wage. And so Lord, just use me now at this time. And I ask this all in Jesus' precious name. Amen. When we arrived back in the States uh, in February, my, my brother came up to me, he's a mechanic, and he said, he said, do you remember, uh, you know, eight years ago when you were here at your parents, at our parents' anniversary, there was a man who came and he drove the limousine at that time, you know, special celebration for the 50th. And I vaguely recalled him and I said to my brother, yeah, I vaguely recall him. And he said, he wants to talk to you. He wants to talk to you. Really? And I have no idea why. I don't know why he wants to talk with me. You know, I don't really know him from anywhere other than that one time. He wants to talk to you. I said, well, why does he want to talk to you? Because you, you know, you're serving God in the Philippines as a missionary. Okay. All right. Well, I found out later that this man at one time was faithful to God. At one time, he was, he carried the Bible of his pastor when he was younger and, and he worked in a ministry for a long time, but he had something happen in his life that caused him to question God and he became an agnostic of sorts. He became a scorner. In fact, when I talked with him, he would start asking me questions about the Bible and he would try to find all the errors in the Bible. These little small things that people like to pull up, you know, and how do you explain this and how do you explain this? And a lot of times it's very minor things in reality, but he would try to do that because he he's just he's kind of like he's angry at God for what happened. Well, one day I was driving with him and, and I found out his story. His wife had gotten on drug, uh, she had gotten on painkiller medication and 
kind of started using them constantly to the point it messed up her mind. And, and one night she tried to kill him and their son with a knife. Chased him all around the house. They had to call the police in. And he said, all during this time, this is what he said, all during this time. He said, I'm praying to God. I'm begging God to, to, to do something about this and to do something to, to just fix it all for me. And I'm begging God to do this and, and nothing's happening. He said to me, he said, you're a father. He said, if you're a father and your son came to you and asked you to fix something, he said, would you not answer him? Wow. That's pretty good, isn't it? And, you know, you think about stuff like that. and It's like, wow. And he said, so that's why I don't believe. He said, I don't know whether there is or not. I don't believe. I began thinking about that a little bit. What's going on? And I realized, though, he had a thought of like this. I asked him, I said, what are you asking for? He said, I don't know. I just wanted to go back to the time before she started using the medication. And so because God did not give him what he wanted, what he was asking for, he began to be bitter towards God and angry. You see, he did not really believe that God loved him. That's really what it boiled down to. A couple months ago, I was speaking with an older gentleman at a church and he said, do you know this friend of, I have a friend of mine, he used to serve in the Philippines and and I knew him. We had actually gone down to visit him. He was right near uh, San Fernando. And I'd gone down there. But as well, I didn't know what happened to him. All of a sudden, he disappeared. Well, he said, yeah, he, he came off the field. And he's not serving God. He's kind of gone agnostic as well. Doesn't really know what's going on. So I went and followed up with him. I found out where he was staying, went to his house. And immediately when he saw me, he, of course, knew me. We had been friends and and I wasn't planning to say a word to him about anything. I just kind of wanted to build up a relationship to hopefully encourage him. And, and he said, but immediately when he saw me, it just all came out. And he said, you know, there was things that happened in the Philippines that just wasn't right. Had to do with the mission agency he was with. They just, there were some bad things that happened and it, it wasn't right. And then he said, he, he would, his members in the church that he was at at the time, they'd come and ask him. And he said, how can you explain like the, uh, these various television pastors that are millionaires and have a jet and have all of these things. And then we here in the Philippines have nothing. That's what his members were asking him about. And then he said that the final straw came. He was out one day and a, and a prostitute in the Philippines, a young girl came up to him who was willing to sell her body for whatever. And she said, he said to her, I, you know, you don't need to be doing this. And she said, how else am I going to pay for my family and keep my family alive because my parents are no longer there. And he asked her about salvation. She said, I am saved. And he said, and he told me, he said, it just something snapped. And I I think it was a combination of factors that came into his life. And he's because he said the same question we sometimes hear. How could a God of love allow all of these things to happen? I really don't know if God really cares or if God really loves anyone. That's what he said. And again, what, what's, the, what, what's he really saying? He's saying this. If there was a God, he would be doing these things in this way if he truly loved me. Oh, you ever felt that way? Because see, we have a philosophy of love that's in our society today, is it not? For many people, love is associated with allowing someone to do what they want. If you love me, you'd let me do whatever I want. You wouldn't say no. 
You give me whatever I want. Let me go on my way. If you love me. That's sort of that thing. We would talk to some members in the church and they would tell me, Pastor, uh, I would teach on discipline. Oh, we don't want to discipline our children. Why not? Because if we discipline our children when they're young, they might hate us. And then who else will take care of us when we get old? I'm serious. I would hear that and I'd say, oh, my friend, you can't, you, that's, you just can't do that. That's not real love. Is true love only about things happening the way that we think they should? Is that what true love really is all about? You know, in the story we read earlier, we see a familiar story. And I'm going to say this. It's about the love of Jesus. A story about the love of Jesus. And we know the ending of this story, do we not? Praise the Lord. We have the whole Bible. We can read it. We know what's going to happen. We know that Jesus is going to go there and he's going to say, Lazarus, rise up. And Lazarus is going to be alive again. We know that, but you got to understand Mary, Martha, and the disciples did not know for sure what was going to happen. And they had a few assumptions about love as well. And we're going to see that in the story. And Jesus used this story to teach them a few things about love. As we start reading the story, we see that Lazarus apparently got sick. And apparently this sickness was unto death, the Bible says. So they sent a messenger to tell Jesus that Lazarus was sick. And notice their message to Jesus in verse 3. Behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. Notice there's an assumption there, is there not? They didn't just say, Lazarus, your friend is sick. Notice that word they put in there. He whom thou lovest is sick. Because if if you love somebody, aren't you not going to go right away and help them out? You see, that's the assumption that they had in this way. You're going to do this. And when Jesus heard this, he made an interesting statement in verse 4. What did he say? This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. And this statement goes along with the purpose of the, this book, of the book of John, in John chapter 20 and verse 31. But these are written, in other words, these signs, the book of John, the stories there, are written that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that, me, that by believing ye might have life in His name. You see, Jesus, in other words, what was going on, Jesus was letting us know, letting His disciples know, letting them understand that what he was about to do in this story was about glorifying God so that others would believe in him and and it was about his love. But they wouldn't get it. They wouldn't get it. Because see, in verse 5, all of a sudden the story says, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Kind of a verse out of place. Why was it necessary to put this verse in? Right? We know that all scripture is given by inspiration of God, so we know it's there for a reason. It's not that, but it seems kind of out of place. But, but what's going on here is this. What Jesus was going to do, was about to do, would not make sense to anyone. It wouldn't fit in with their ideas. He was going to allow... Lazarus to go through this sickness. He was going to allow Mary and Martha to deal with that, to tend him, take care of him during this time. He was going to allow the 
the death process to happen. He was going to allow, in other words, all the mourners that would come to their house to mourn. And that whole process that would happen at that time. And some of you have experienced that. And it's not an easy thing, right? It's not an easy thing at all. And he was going to allow all of those things to happen. And yet, what was the reason? Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Wow. That's tough. The question for us this evening is what did Jesus want them to learn because of his love? The first thing I want you to note is because of Jesus' love, he wanted them to learn patience in waiting. He waited two days. Verse six, what does the Bible say? And when he heard, therefore, that he was sick, he abode two days still in the same place where he lay. In 2 Peter chapter 6, we see that we are supposed to cultivate into our life a recipe on spiritual growth. We're supposed to cultivate into our life patience. We must have patience to walk with God instead of running ahead of Him. We need patience in our relationship with our wives and with our children. We need patience as we work with new believers, right? And that's an awesome thing when you have new believers come in the church and where much oxen are, where no oxen are, the crib is clean, but much increases by the strength of the oxen. Man, you need patience to deal with all of those things. We understand that we need patience as we wait for God to answer our prayer. We need patience as we're praying about his will for our life, what he would have us to do. We need patience as we pray for family and friends to be saved. Many times in the Bible, we see references to farmers and farmers understand patience because you can't hurry up God's cycle for nature. When you plant something, there's a certain period of time in which you have to wait before you can have a harvest. It's just simply we understand that God set it in motion and he is in charge. But we do not like patience. We live in a very impatient society today. We like our food fast. It's a lot of fun to go in and get what you want right now. Is it not? We like uh, immediate replies from one another. We have so many ways to contact other people that it's so easy right away. We can get a reply no matter where you are in the world. So it seems we look for the quickest response possible. And yet learning to be patient as we wait on God helps others to see that God is control of our life. He is in control. He is in charge. He does know the best timing he, because his will is perfect. So, yes, because he loves us. Sometimes we have to wait so that he receives all the glory, right? So that others may believe on him. That's hard. But patience is a key. That's, a, that's a, one of the fruits of the Spirit. It's a key thing. The next thing we need to see is that because of Jesus' love, he wanted his disciples to believe instead of being afraid what happens here? His disciples said unto him, well, after two days, verse seven, he says, he saith to his disciples, let us, let, let us go into Judea again. His disciples said unto master, the Jews of late sought to stone thee and thou goest thither again. Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours in the day? If any man walk in the day, he stumbleth not because he seeth the light of this world. But if a man walk in the night, he stumbleth because there's no light in him. You see, the disciples assumed that Jesus was waiting there because he was afraid that he would be stoned if he went back into Judea. See, they made an assumption as well. But Jesus let them know that no, the reason we are not going is because it wasn't God's will for us to go. 
at that time. Now it is. So why? This sickness is not unto death, verse 4, but for the glory of God. So he abode there two days still. You see, we have to understand that truth of faith over fear. We have to understand that. He said, because if you walk in the day, you won't stumble. When we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. We understand that verse. When we walk in the light of God's word, in the light of his will, we have confidence in him. And when we walk in the light, it says, in thy light, ye shall see light. In other words, as we walk in the light, it becomes clearer and clearer and clearer. We don't need to fear what man can do unto us. We don't need to fear about any of those things. We need to have a fear of God and a desire to follow Him's will by faith. And that's what Jesus wanted His disciples to understand. It's not fear. It's not about fear. It's about God's will. It's faith over our fear. So because of God's love, right? His disciples were able to learn a little lesson about faith over fear about God's will. The next thing we see, Jesus, because of God's love, because of his love, wanted Martha to understand that he is the originator of life and death. We see the conversation with her in verse 20 through 27. And and we know this story. She also assumed, what did it says here? Lord, verse 21, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. She made an assumption right there. Lord, in other words, if you had truly loved Lazarus, you would have come. He wouldn't have died. We wouldn't have been in this situation. Wow. But that's what she said in essence. And when Jesus said that Lazarus will rise again, she assumed he was referring to the last day. But Jesus, because of his love for her, wanted to understand that he is God. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. We hear this all the time. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And what did she say in verse 27? She said, yea, Lord, I believe thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. In essence, what happened here for Martha was that John chapter 20, verse 31 was fulfilled. The purpose of the book, she believed, she understood. Yes, you are God. You are the originator of life and death. You are the resurrection and the life. If Jesus had come right away and healed Lazarus, he would not have had this teaching opportunity, right? With Martha. And that's a favorite passage we all use. It's an awesome truth. That was because of his love for Martha. Notice also because of his love for them, according to verse 35, what happened? Jesus wept. And in verse 33, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. Mary as well assumed That if Jesus had truly loved them, he would have been there and Lazarus would not have died. Look at verse 32. Then when Mary was come where Jesus was in Psalm, she fell down at his feet, said, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. That same assumption again. Lord, you're not doing it the way you should. You should be doing it this way. We called for you. You didn't come. Why didn't you answer it the way we wanted you to answer? If you had been here, he wouldn't have died. I I don't believe she was saying in an angry tone, kind of the way I'm portraying it right now. But it's that that kind of idea that goes through our minds sometime in that way. And yet we see because he loved them, he groaned. Jesus, because of his love, showed his humanity, his compassion to her and to everyone else that was there. Jesus knew what was going to happen. He knew what he was going to do. 
He could have been major. Uh, he could have been stoic about this. You know, hey, don't worry about it. I got this. I'm going to raise him to life. It'll be okay. Why are you guys crying? No, no, that's not our savior. It's not our savior. He showed his compassion to them. He loved them. He loved them. Perhaps he groaned because they didn't believe. Perhaps he groaned they didn't understand. But see, Jesus does know what will happen. Because he does know what will happen does not mean that he doesn't care about these things. And his great love to help us understand shows us that, yes, he does care. And yes, he does love us. Lastly, in verse 36 through verse 44, we see because of Jesus' love, he spoke with authority and power and said, Lazarus, come forth. And yes, he that was dead came forth. In verse 36, the other Jews there, read what the Bible says. It says, then said the Jews, behold, how he loved them. Verse 37, and some of them said, could not this man, referring to Jesus, which opened the eyes of the blind and caused even this man should not have died? See, they made an assumption as well. Yeah, he loved him. Why didn't he come? Why didn't he do anything? He should have done it this way. That's the way I would have done it. But Jesus said, Jesus said, but see, many believed, maybe I'll put it this way, many believed that Jesus had power, but they did not believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. They did not have life through his name. But when Jesus said, come forth to dead Lazarus, and he said that, and he came forth alive, what happened in verse 45? Then many of the Jews which came to Mary and had seen the things which Jesus did, believed on him. They believed on him. Before that, they didn't. But now they did. And why? So that he would be glorified. Verse 40. Said I not unto thee that if thou wouldest believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God. Verse 42. And I know that thou hearest me always, Jesus said, because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. You see, because of his love, he waited. And they all questioned his love. But because of his love, they learned about patience. The disciples learned about faith over fear. They learned a lesson about walking in the light according to God's will. Because of his love, they learned that Jesus is the originator of life and death. I am the resurrection and the life, Jesus said. Because of his love, they saw his compassion in a way that we never, they they never saw it probably before. They haven't seen that before. We all know the verse, Jesus wept. But you don't really think about it. And that's that's kind of a time they saw that compassion in that way. And because of his love, they saw his power and authority so that God would be glorified and that they would believe in him. It's all about his love. My friends, we know the truth about God's love, but God commendeth his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. For God so loved the world, greater love hath no man than this, than a man lay down his life for his brethren. But when something happens to us that just doesn't fit into our mindset, it doesn't fit into the way we think it should happen, we begin to doubt his love. And if we doubt his love, how can we trust him? Right? We don't trust people we don't really love, but when we love somebody, we trust them. And if we, and, and because love and trust go hand in hand, you know, often we struggle when death and suffering take place or when the pressures of life seem too much. 
If you love me, God, then this is what you should do. If you love me, God, this is what happened. And yet in this story, we see that Jesus loved Martha, his sister, right? Verse 5, and Lazarus. Wow. You say, well, well, yeah, he allowed them all to happen. I get it. He allowed all that to happen because he loved them. But, but Lazarus came to life. He knew that Lazarus was going to die. He knew he was going to raise him from the dead. Yep, that's true. And that it's also true that there's an old song like this. Some glad morning we shall see Jesus in the air coming after your, you and me. What a joy to share, right? We know that's going to happen. And we know that the dead in Christ shall rise first. And we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with him in the air. And so we, oh, wow, what an awesome truth. We know that. And sometimes when we all, we seem to have nothing else, we still have the simple truth. Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. We have that truth as well. And that's the question for us. You see, we know that doctrine, don't we? Yeah, Jesus loves me. In fact, other people will say it sometimes too, even those that don't believe in God. He's a God of love, they'll say. But they don't understand His love. Don't get it. But the question for us this evening is, how is Jesus showing His love to you? And I'm not referring to, well, God blessed me yesterday with this and this is a bless. I'm not talking about that kind of thing. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about this story we just read. How is God showing his love to you? To you. In the story, we see what happened. They learned so many things. Perhaps Jesus is showing you love right now to making you by making you wait. I don't like the wait, you say. It's just like his great love, though. Amen. I don't like it. But he still loves you. Maybe he's, maybe he's helping you to have faith over fear. Man, the past two years have been full of fear, have they not? Yeah. Full of fear. I mean, it's because you know who's the author of fear. It's not our God. And yet it kind of brought out a lot of fear about suffering and about death and about variety of things. And now, you know, the, the, the economy seems to be tanking and, and what are we going to do? And, and interest rates are up and it's a big mess. It's a big mess. It really is. But wait a second. Do we do things because of fear? Or do we do things because of faith in his will for us? See, that's what Jesus was telling his disciples. Maybe he's trying to help you understand more and more he's God. It's a simple truth. He said, I'm the resurrection and the life. Only God can say that. Maybe he just wants you to know he's God. He's God. Amen. Nothing is impossible for him. He can do anything. Right. He can. He can control people. He can control nature. He can control anything, even a person that is against you at your job. He can change that person's life. He is able. He is powerful enough. Maybe that's what he wants you to understand. Maybe he just wants you to understand his compassion for you. So that you may be able to, as Corinthians says, to be able to show compassion to others. That's hard. That's really hard. 
Perhaps it's that though. Maybe he just wants you to understand his power and authority in the word. That's awesome. When Jesus said, come forth, Lazarus, as some people joke and say, if he had just said, come forth, they would have all come forth. He said, come forth, Lazarus. But, you know, his power in his word, my friends, you got to get into it to see his word, how it interacts in your life, how it can change your life. Maybe that's how God is showing you his power. And as I close, maybe there's one today that hasn't yet trusted in Jesus to be your savior. You know, he proved it to you on Calvary. He did. He died. Why? We know why. Because of his love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That's what the Bible says. We know Jesus died to pay the penalty for our sins, did he not? The wage of sin is death. The wage of sin is never going to church, going to a specific church, praying, doing good works. It's never any of those things. The wage of sin is death, which means separation which means, yes, if my sins have not been forgiven, I will, I, I, I will perish in hell. I will be separated from God forever. But God does not desire that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Jesus paid that penalty. And when Jesus said it's finished, guess what? <laughs> it, it was finished. Simple as that. That's the power of his word. It's finished. Your way, the wage of all your sins from the time you were born until the time that you die were paid for. And all he says, but whosoever believeth in him should not perish, shall not perish, but have everlasting life. My friends, Jesus does love you. He wants to be your savior. He wants to come in your heart and continue to show his love. But don't get caught up in some weird ideas that Sadly, the world throws out to us about love, which is so false. It's not even crazy. It's just foolishness. But God does. He wants us to learn. He wants us to help and love others. He does. And how can we love others if we do not understand his love toward us? There's challenges in life. I, I, listening to some of the prayer requests tonight and even this morning, there's some things going on in some of your lives. And yeah, there's probably questions, aren't there? Does God truly love me? Does he really care about me? I'm, I'm begging God. I, I seem to be getting a blank wall here. It's like I'm praying to a, you know, a, a metal ceiling. Does he really love me? Yes. Yes, he does. Yeah, you could put your name in there. Now, Jesus loved Put your name in that verse because he does. He does. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this evening. Simple message. This, 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 this challenge encourages me all the time because it's difficult sometimes. And we like to talk about your love and there's so many songs about your love and we hear constantly that God is a God of love, but we also hear, which is dangerous, if God was a God of love. He would do this, that, or the other. And yet, that just messes up our minds because that is not the God that we serve. And so, Lord, help us to have a true understanding of your love. There probably are many here tonight that may be struggling greatly about your love. And I believe that there's probably others in this church that know that. Perhaps even tonight they could come up next to that person during the invitation 
Give them a hug. Weep with them that weep. Show some compassion. Show them that God truly loves them. And you want to do your best to show that love to them. Help them. Encourage them. Strengthen them through your word. And Lord, help us to always look at things knowing that you love us. There's there's nothing going on beyond your control. We are in a, as a believers in thee, we are in a, like an ocean of grace. Everything that happens to us is because of your grace. We just don't always see it sometimes. We just don't always know. But yet we do know that one day when you return in the air with a shout, we'll see thee face to face. What a joy that will be. Lord, if there is one here tonight that is not yet saved... It's generally Sunday nights. Most people that come have a testimony of salvation. That's an awesome thing. But sometimes there may be a visitor or someone else that's struggling with that. Lord, I pray that you would comfort them through the truth here. That if they, that if they are to trust in thee, if they would be willing to confess with their mouth you, Lord, and believe in their heart that, that yeah, that you are alive Jesus, God raised thee from the dead. Thou shalt be saved. That's what your word says. Lord, I, I just pray that you would work in this invitation. Bless this time this evening. Give pastor the wisdom to carry this on so that your name would be glorified. With your heads bowed and eyes closed, I will let pastor continue the invitation at this time.